All right. Well, All right. Welcome back to the Physics of Faith podcast. I am Tim. With me is Tommy. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, having me back again. All right. Well, it was my pleasure. I thought, uh, you know, we just wrapped up James. Yep. And so we recorded that a little bit ago, and then uh, we're about to move into a new book here. But listening back to that, I thought that went really well. I really enjoyed it. I hope everybody at home got something out of it. Uh, And I'm excited to continue this trend of, of breaking down the Word of God. Yeah, no, I, and I think, I, yeah, I, I I enjoyed doing it, and I enjoyed going back and listening to it, and uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully people uh, got something from it, and uh, I'm excited about this next one we got. Well, I know Justin commented on one of our videos that mm-hmm. he really appreciated the addition of you <laughs> to this, and uh, you know, I don't normally take Justin's word yeah. uh, for much, but uh, which if you don't know who Justin is, go watch the episode on uh, Identity in Christ. Uh, or listen to the episode of Identity in Christ, and Justin's a part of that one. Yep. Uh, he's also the uh, the pondering man from our Easter video that Brandon and I did. Right. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Justin liked you, so I said, let's bring him back. Okay, uh, well, good. I'm glad I have Justin's approval. <laughs> that's right. That's really all that matters. That's all that matters, yeah. Justin uh, likes me. It's an audience of one, and it's <laughs> Justin. Uh, all right, so today we're going to start a new series. We're going to jump into uh, Philippians. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be the same format we did last time. We're going to break down one chapter at a time, and then we'll be done. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then hopefully we'll have another book of the Bible to go. Okay. So uh, Philippians. So what would we need to know about Philippians? And just set up a little context here. Philippians is a letter written by Paul. Um, he sends it to the city of Philippi. Philippi is a Roman city in Greece. It's along a major trade route, so a lot of traffic. Um, but there's not a large Jewish tradition, or at least that's the way it's viewed by most scholars here. Mm-hmm. So we see them visit Philippi in Acts 16, and they go, and there's no synagogues. Mm. Now, in order for, um, or at least they don't go to any synagogues. Yeah. Now, in, in order for there to be like a, a practice in Jewish custom, there needs to be at least 10 men. So the idea is they didn't have a place they could go to where there would be 10 men gathered to have these conversations. Yeah. And you see in Acts, what they end up doing is they go down to a stream where they find a group of women, and this is an area where they believed people would come to pray. Yeah. So again, so there's no synagogue. They're primarily talking to women, and it's it's uh, just a different context. So that, what it really kind of lays out is that this is a very Gentile city. Yeah, not a lot of Jewish tradition, right? Um, so that's that's kind of the the what's the word I'm looking for the contextual things I think that are important to know. Yeah, those those are who Paul is writing to, yeah. and and it, and that makes a lot of sense because you know a lot of times in in Paul's books he talks about how his his Jewish origins and and mm-hmm. things like that, and and he's and he's talking to those who are Jew. And it's like, hey, he talks about. You know circumcision, and he talks about you know things that are consecrated, all of those things, yeah. and you don't you need to read that in, in Philippi, and so that makes a lot of sense that they're the the people that he's writing to, those aren't those people, those aren't those people, and he he does mention some of that stuff, but it the context in which he mentions it is much different, a little different, yeah. Which we're going to get right. into that when we hit that, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this is also written while he's in prison. Uh, so he is currently in prison in Rome, and we see that he's in the house of Caesar mm-hmm. uh, at this time. So this is kind of a big deal. Um, 
I think that's 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 a really important thing to remember. Yeah. Like for if you if you haven't read Philippians because we're going to read it at the beginning of each one of these. Mm-hmm. When you hear these words, remember that they're being written by a guy in prison. Right. <laughs> right. And it's not like he's not in prison for theft. He's in prison for literally preaching doing what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think He's we, doing why what they have him in prison for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We touched on that a little bit and uh when we went over James is like it's really easy for us a lot of times in America and the United States to not uh to practice Christianity, right? right? Like it's much, we talk about being oppressed. We talk about, you know, or people do, I don't know that yeah. we do specifically, but, yeah. um, you know, or talk about being, um, you know, persecuted, but yep. a lot of times it's, it's, it's not like we're not being, it, it didn't even scratch the surface of what they went, to, what Paul went through and, and what all the disciples went through and what even today, what people in other countries go through, e- even today, you know, yeah. in Asia and parts of Africa and yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, praise God that we do get to worship freely here in the United States and continue to pray that that uh, trend remains. Remains, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to jump in here to Philippians 1. Um, as we did with James, I'm going to be reading from the NASB because uh, it is my favorite version. Uh, All right. So here we go. Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may overflow still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may discover the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, having been fulfilled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment and the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brothers and sisters trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking that they, will, that they are causing me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. But not only that, I also will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, and that with all boldness, 
Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in this flesh, this will mean fruitful labor, labor for me, and I do, not, I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sakes. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your pride in Christ Jesus may be abundant because of me by my coming to you again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and this too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer on his behalf, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to, here to be in me. There we go. Flip there you down. go. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we talked at the beginning of our James study, like how he's like, hey, this is James, boom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and, and there are times in, in different Paul's letters where he, he kind of is like, they always enter in, and do an introduction, hey, this is Paul, the servant of Christ, yada, yada, whatever he says there. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain times when he goes straight into like, hey, yada, yada, whatever the, the bad stuff is. But you can tell reading those first eleven verses, he loves these people. Yeah, the, the the this this church is very special to him, and we'll get into a little bit why they've. But they've they've a lot helped him a lot. They've given him a lot of assistance, a lot of of goods. Um, I think helped him financially, as we we'll talk we'll see in in later chapters. But mm-hmm. he really, really. I mean, the the first the uh, verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. Yeah. Every time I remember you. I thank my God. Like yeah. every time I think about you guys, I thank God for you. Like that—that that says something. It, it really does. I think that's a consistent thing. And you know, I—that was the first thing that hit me too when I started reading Philippians. Was what we had talked about with James. Was you know, James was boom to the point. Paul is much more relational, mm-hmm. and he's—he recalls the things that he's done with these individuals while he was with them. Yeah. And he tells them how he thinks of them when he's not around them. He, to him, it's very important that they understand his motivations and everything that he writes, uh, which is interesting because Paul, it's funny, when you read a letter from Paul, he's so loving, mm-hmm. but he also has some of the most brutal moments in the <laughs> New does. Testament, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's very interesting to kind of see that. But I think he sets people up to understand, like, hey, I have authority in Christ because of the gospel. He's mm-hmm. always re- bringing it back to the gospel, right? Um but it's important for me that I'm not using that as a club, but that we're doing this together, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is, you know, one of the themes here that we see, and we'll get into this a little bit, is unity is really important to Paul. Yeah, and, and I've got verse 9 through 11 circled in my Bible. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's He is he thinks that it is great to be together, yes. and, and the, the work that people can do together for the body of Christ is good. And while he can't be with them now because he's in prison, um, he's thankful that they are together and going out and doing doing that work. Absolutely. 
So he starts this letter off uh, introducing himself and Timothy. So Timothy's with him when he's writing this. Mm-hmm. He mentions Timothy again, I think, in the third chapter, um, where he says some really nice things about Timothy yeah. and explains that he may be visiting them soon. Um, but, you know, that's really, like, kind of what we just talked about is really what we're seeing from verses 1 through up to up to verse 6, so 1 through 5. He's really talking about um, his love for them and his um, the way he thinks of them and, and, you know, recalling their participation in the gospel. Um, when he gets to verse 6, this is where we see... And I noticed this as we were as I was reading through Philippians, and you may have noticed this too. There are so many famous Christian one-liners from this book. Yeah, there. This is a very, uh, very quotable book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when he gets to verse six, this is where he says, "I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus." Uh, he goes on to say, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in my defense, in the defense and confirmation of the Gospels, you are partakers of grace with me. So the, um, the he who began a good work among you will complete it is, a, is something I hear people quote all the time. Um, and so in context of this verse, what Paul is saying is he, he believes that God will complete what he started in the body of Philippi. But he doesn't just believe that as like a platitude. He's saying that he's seen evidence for this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he feels uh, that he's right in his confidence because uh, it, not just in his confidence of what God will do with the Philippians, but in his confidence of his joy of the Philippians because he's seen them since the beginning yeah. su- supporting him, not to support him, but to support the gospel. And yes, they do They do love him. They do take care of him. They do a lot for him. Right. He's very grateful to the Philippians throughout this, uh, this book, but their actions tell him that, hey, they're on the right path. And, yeah. And God is going to be faithful to see them to the end of that path. Yeah, that's... And what you said there at the end was, was what I was going to add. It's like, at, at the end of verse 6, uh, we'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right. Like, that's thousands of years away at that time. You know, right. We don't know how many, but, <laughs> but before now, we don't know how long that is. Right. At this point, we know that it was at least 2,000-something years ago. I think this was about eighty sixty. I think, was about when this was written. Right around 60. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's a long time. And to carry that yeah. to completion, that, I mean, that really speaks a lot. So something we should touch on, because uh, this is going to come up, because verses like this are going to come up a lot that we've heard preached over and over again, but often not mm-hmm. preached, but said. Like, yeah. It'll be quoted to support something else, right? Yeah. Um, so understanding the context of this, sometimes, unfortunately, um, we can miss the meaning of something because it sounds so motivational, mm-hmm. and it sounds good to support an idea that we have. Right. So the question I have here is, uh, can we be confident that God can complete what he began in us as well? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, this isn't specific to the Philippians. The Philippians are a model, though, of if you are pursuing the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're essentially what you're doing is walking into uh, the sanctification of God. And that's the process by which God changes you. Like, yeah. you're not changing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about this with works and grace and stuff with, with uh, and, and faith and works with James, but um, this is, um, we, can, we can believe that we can be sanctified in the same way the Philippians were being sanctified. 
yeah it, it's it's yeah even 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 a thousand two thousand years ago it still works the same way yes it whether you're in in europe or in the united states yeah you you can be i mean we can never be fully christ we can never be perfect like christ but mm-hmm. we should always be working towards that sanctification yeah um, okay, so as we move on through here, you've already touched on 9 through 11, mm-hmm. uh, but these were the next verses I had kind of marked off, and uh, Paul is appreciating the love that they have. So he's recognizing that they do walk in love, but then he also prays that it would continue to overflow. And the part that really stuck out to me, and you kind of mentioned this as well, is that he wants to see their love overflow in real knowledge and all discernment, right? Uh, and I think that's that's really telling, you know, especially in this day and age, the world wants you to be led by love. Mm-hmm. But when the world talks about love, they talk about how you feel, right? What is comfortable for you, yeah, right? And what makes you feel great? What makes you feel good? But love isn't always about making you feel good. Sometimes it's about doing the hard thing because you know it's what's best for everyone involved. Yeah, that's and and he talks about that in several, especially in Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, love is patient, love is kind, which is you often hear at weddings. Which yes, it is that kind of love. That I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But what he says before that, he's not talking about husband and wife. He's talking right. about if you do the greatest things, you know, if you what what if you do do all these, but you don't have love, you have nothing. And so he said later on, this is what love is: patient, kind. And does not envy, does not vote. Love is an action. Right. You do things because you love someone. You right. are showing love because you – Exactly. Et cetera. And, oh. and th- that's what he's, he's saying here is when you show your love for each other, you, you, you will be able to discern what is best, maybe pure and blameless. When you love each other enough and you care in each other and you do things well, for each other – I think it's kind of the opposite. I think it's it's as you discern what is right. Yeah. Then your love can be true. You know, and right. then it's going to be more effective, you know, cuz you know, going back to the 1 Corinthians 13, love does not uh rejoice in wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Okay? But if you don't know what wrongdoing is, yeah. Right? You have to have that discernment. So I think that's where you were going with that, but that's Yeah. Well, and and I mean, we're seeing now so much that, you know, in in, in what I mean, pick a you know, especially in Pride Month, you know, you, sure. it, it's it's you think that that is synonymous with love, and they, you know, the the world tells us that acceptance is the same as love. You know, it, yeah. but you know, and it's not just that. But I mean, if you look at our whole society in general, there's this this notion that love equals agreement, and if right. you disagree, that is not loving. Yeah, which is totally false. Absolutely, you know? and and we see that more beyond just like ideologies and identities, but then you see that in like just talk about divorce rate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people will if we don't agree, then we must not be compatible. Yeah, right. And you know, that's not always the case. You know, this sometimes this is going to take work. Sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, okay, I think we've we've kind of uh, let's get back on to Philippians. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, it was good. It was in context to, to what he was talking about here, because um, discernment and knowledge when it comes to love is important. Uh, so we get to verses twelve through eighteen, and we see here that Paul is talking about being in prison, and he's glad for his imprisonment, which is really yeah. 
really kind of an interesting thing. And he tells us exactly why. Mm-hmm. You know, the Praetorian Guard is hearing about his imprisonment, but not just about his imprisonment, but about why he is imprisoned. Yeah. Which to him, then, his imprisonment has furthered the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. So people say, well, so why is Paul in prison? Well, because he's preaching about Jesus Christ. Well, who's Jesus Christ? Well, this is who Paul says he is. Yeah. And now the the gospel of Christ has been preached. Yeah, and I mean, it. Uh, another thing we can go back to our last study on James, like, uh-huh. count it all joy when you encounter trials. Yeah. Paul is, is in trials. And it, you know what's funny? He actually doesn't even consider this a trial. Like, he's yeah. in prison, and he doesn't, he wouldn't even consider that that's, a trial, you know, it's just yeah, yeah. This is where I am now, and so this is who the, these are the people that I'm preaching to. You know, this is where God has me, and so this is where I'm supposed to do my work at yeah. this point in time. What well, we're gonna see it as it gets down later. He kind of acts like too that it's his choice. What happens next? Yeah, he's like I, I can't choose whether I want to continue on or go to be with Christ. Right. Like he's not even considering what others might do to him. Mm-hmm. He's considering what options do I have? <laughs> yeah, because I'm in Christ and all things are possible. Right. Yeah. Um. So something that's interesting here, too, though, when he's talking about preaching the gospel, he then he's encouraging the Philippians to continue to preach the gospel. He talks about two types of people who are preaching because of his imprisonment. Mm-hmm. And he talks about people who are preaching um, because they're encouraged by Paul and they want to do a service to Paul to continue to preach what he was preaching, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is this pure kind of this pure motive, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, they believe it if they're going to preach it as well. Um, but then there are some who are preaching, as he says, with selfish motives, who uh, ultimately, kind of what he's hinting at here is they want to surpass him as the big name on the block. Yeah. You know, well, Paul's in prison, so I'm going to now assert myself as the authority or the apostle or the man of the hour or the God's anointed yeah. to preach the gospel. And he kind of hints that they're it's because they're, they don't really like him. Maybe they were offended by him about something, or it's really more of an internal thing of wanting to be the big dog. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is he points to both of those and says, so should I be troubled by this? It's like, well, the gospel's still being preached. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I've, I've read, th- this is why reading the Bible is so great, because I've read Philippians several times, but going back and reading this, I didn't pick up on this the first probably five, ten times I read Philippians, mm-hmm. but going back and reading this recently, I'm like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> like, I, I was shocked by reading that, that like, so, so Paul is saying that even though somebody's preaching the gospel with wrong motives, it's okay because it's preaching the gospel. Like, it, 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 that, that is not what I would think. But well, it's, Paul says, hey, it's the, the gospel is the gospel. And, and that, I think that just tells us that even if you – if somebody gets the truth of the gospel or whatever – in a bad way, or they have to go through something bad to hear it, or it, you know, it is delivered in a, in a bad way. If they hear it and they know it and they believe it and they accept it, God can take care of it from there. You know, Absolutely. It, it's that, yeah, e- even if the person preaching to them was had ulterior motives for telling them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of you, the payment of your sins. Mm-hmm. Anybody needs to know that, yeah. <laughs> and so and so it's not it's not a bad thing how you say that. And yes, there there's and God will deal with those folks for their motives. Yes, you know we don't have to we don't have because we can't really do anything about that. That that's up to God anyway. It's yeah. his it's his to judge. Absolutely. And so yeah, it's it's. Well, I, I was re- I was really surprised to read that. Yeah, I, th- I think it is a principle that um, repeats itself throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. Is that truth surpasses motive? Yeah, you know, and I think 
in our day and age, you know, and probably back then as well, we often want to discredit something because we don't like the way it was said, who said it, how, you know, yep. um, when it was that we heard it, like mm-hmm. all of those things are like, to your point, like, well, I had to go through hardship to hear this. That doesn't make the truth not truth. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you hear the truth, you have the option to obey the truth, yeah. to adhere to the truth, to make it a part of who you are. Yeah. Um, and Paul's point here is truth is going to be truth. Yeah. So, um, so that also means that they were not preaching the wrong message. Which <laughs> yeah. Is kind of, which is good. Yeah. Obviously, they listened. <laughs> they didn't listen to everything, but they <laughs> yeah. they listened. Yeah. Exactly. So that as we continue through Philippians, uh, we see that Paul knows that Christ will be exalted regardless of what happens to him. And then we get to this again. We we talked. We alluded to it before, but verses twenty one through twenty six, we see another quotable line from Philippians, which is for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, to live is Christ, to die is gain is something that is another quote that I hear all the time. Yeah, it's in songs. People say it during fiery sermons. You know, fiery yeah. but like passionate is what I mean. But you know what I yeah. mean. I when I first read this, I, I was I hope that. I hope that when I'm on my deathbed, I have enough cognizance to know that I am on my deathbed and I don't have much time left, but I can still remember this. And if I can't talk, I can at least write Philippians 1.21 and hand it to my kids or my grandkids and then breathe my last because yeah. that that's that's what I want people to know, you yeah. know, and, and how comforting is that, you know, if, if you're in that time that somebody – that look – when you breathe your last breath, the gain is great. The, yeah. the 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 change of status is overwhelming. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think Paul illustrates that. Like, how great would it be to go be with Christ? Yeah, and to be done to finish this race, so to speak. Um, and you know, I've uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, but I think what's interesting too, though, is he then turns around and identifies. But to stay means to help you. Yeah. This, I mean, people ask, what's the, what's the meaning of life? This is really it. Verse 22 and 23 and, and 24. That That's the meaning of life. Yeah. We would all be better off in heaven praising God in his presence with Christ. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's a much better place to be than here. But the reason we're here is so that we have – because we have work to do. Yes. And there are people who don't know that. Yeah. And there are people who aren't going that direction if they die tomorrow. And so our job here, the reason that we are here is because to tell them of what we already know. Yeah. You know, the problem with work is that it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, but it's interesting that, like, Paul sees that challenge as a great reward in and of itself. You know, mm-hmm. if, if what he does, he's not concerned of what would happen to him if he continued to live. Yeah. You know, like he's not concerned if he would go to continue to go from prison to prison or be Mm -hmm. tortured or what have you. Uh, He's not concerned of even losing his faith or being convinced otherwise. He's solid. He's secure. He knows that he could live on for another hundred years if that's God's will, because if it's God's will, he'll be doing a service to the kingdom. Yeah. Which is how he starts his letter, the same way James started his letter, a bondservant Mm -hmm. to Jesus Christ. And and the work that he's doing is good, and God sees that. And yes. so God wants that to continue. And that's what he says in verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. It's like, 
I'm doing good work. I know I'm doing good work. Yeah. He, and he would never say he's perfect, you know, but he he he, he knows the opposite later. Yeah, yeah. He 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 knows that he's doing the work of God. And so God is going to let him continue to do that because other people need to know that message that he is giving. And so but and God has the authority and the power to make sure that that happens. Absolutely. Yeah, the work of God is good. And mm-hmm. uh you said that and it just it rung true in my mind again when we were talking about the motives and and all this stuff. Paul understood that it's about the gospel. It's not about any of those other things. And I don't know, it's just, that always hits me really well. I, again, we, we like to, again, look at modern, the modern world and how we look at uh, church and how what people say, people who left the church for church hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, I left the church because people didn't get it right. And Paul is consistent. People are imperfect. Yeah. God is perfect. Mm-hmm. Stay in God. Find a way to be in unity with your brothers and sisters. Right, but seek God, and He will be faithful to complete that work in you. And you know, and that and go, that goes all the way back to uh, where was it earlier? I guess in verse nine that your love may grow more in de- knowledge and in depth, that you would grow more in love with each other and abound more yeah. with each other, because it, you're better off that way. You know? Absolutely, yeah. So then we're going to continue here into twenty-seven through thirty. Uh, here he encourages the readers uh, to continue in the work that they're. Uh, that their good reputation would reach him if he does not actually return. So again, like continue to do the things you're doing because I want to hear that you're doing good things. Um, he wants to hear that they've stood in one spirit and in one mind and that they've been striving together. He always puts an emphasis on unity in the church. Mm-hmm. Always. Yes. Uh, and we're, we've seen that consistently through this, verse, or through this uh, chapter. Uh, he tells them not to be alarmed by their opponents. Uh, those people who would stand against them and try to refute them. And he says, you know, the fact that you're not afraid will be a sign to those who come against you that their time of destruction is at hand, which is a really interesting thing to say. I I think here, I think it's important to hear this. I don't think he's saying people's destruction, but he's talking about the ideologies and the spirits and the powers and the principalities. Now, if you're attached to those principalities, Mm -hmm when they're defeated and you won't let go of them, you're going to go with them yeah. you know, as, as, as a person. But um, but that's I think that's a really um, poignant thing to say, is that to, eat, to stand without fear against those who would oppose the gospel is a sign uh, of your salvation and their, and their failure. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that—and that's, that's what you wrote there is exactly what I had, had written. It's, it's threatening to them. You know, yeah. and so that's why they're so intent on keeping you from doing what you're doing or saying what you're doing because they realize that no matter how hard you punch them, they keep going. Yeah. They they realize that no matter what, no if they put Paul in chains, if they all of the all of these things that they try to do, if you you people still live a holy and pleasing life, to, then they, it's still possible because they know where their grace comes from. I mean, it goes all the way back to Christ. You can't silence somebody any more than put, killing them. Right. And Jesus even overcame that. Absolutely. And so there's, there's, there's nothing that, you know, ju- if, you, if you live a holy and pleasing life, they'll see it and they'll be threatened by it. Yes. And that's why they're going to do those things because they realize that they're in the wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, the last thing that I have written here for those last verses is uh, Paul does suggest 
that they will experience the same form of suffering that he is enduring. Mm-hmm. I think all believers should um, think on that and understand that that is a real possibility for their life, even if it seems easy now. Yeah, This is a real possibility for all of us that are believers in Christ that it may not be easy tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, that's the thing you hear people talk about, it's becoming harder, to, and I think we touched about this last time in James, like, and I, I think I said, people say it's it's becoming harder to be a Christian in today's world, and I say, good, you know, and yeah. that's, I mean, it's, that's, Paul said it, it yeah. 2,000 years ago, I mean, they, it, it was, it's, this isn't a, people don't look at this as a prophecy, yeah. but in, in, in a way, he's, he's prophesying a little bit that, yeah, it, it you're, you're it's gonna be hard and it's it, we we talked about this again we probably don't have it as bad as they did then yeah but who who knows what's to come tomorrow next year next decade wh- mm-hmm. whatever um but the the idea is to look at those things as a good thing that the persecution there's a reason for that and that is a blessing yeah. believe it or not <laughs> absolutely pressure produces diamonds right yeah yeah all right so I think uh so that's the end of Philippians 1. Uh, I think we've talked about this already, but just kind of encapsulating it. Some of the themes here is that the gospel is above all things in importance. Um, it's over our motives and our circumstances. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus Christ is the most important thing. And we can trust God to do what he says. I think those were the two big themes that I kind of pulled out of here. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts or things that you wanted to discuss with Philippians one? No, not really. I think we've we've touched on everything that I kind of wrote down and 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 I uh, noticed and wanted to share. So, yeah, I think I think we've covered it. All right, fantastic. Well, Tommy, I'm uh, I'm glad we were able to get together to do this. Philippians one is in the books. Philippians two is next, and uh, we will see you all then. <laughs>